Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. How's it going, CityWalk? All right. Well, we are so glad that you're here. It's been a, been a fun week. Has this been a fun week for you? I mean, I mean, have you seen like all the, the memes with like you had all your fall plans and then, oh, here comes COVID again? You know, that's, that's pretty exciting. And Luke, Luke is, uh, he took a vacation in Florida and we got a call from Florida and Luke said, guess what I caught while I was here in Florida? Yeah, he probably, hopefully he caught a fish. I, I think he's actually faking it because he wants to stay in Florida longer. So he has COVID in Florida and so we'll see. We're like, send us a picture of that test. We're not quite sure about that, buddy. Uh, but w- whether you had a really great week or whether this week was like, ah, this was a week I'd love to, to get past pretty quick, this has probably been, especially if you have kids, maybe you're watching online or you have grandkids, this has been a pretty big week. And, and it's been a pretty big week because Uh, A lot of our kids have started to get back into school. Some of them are going to be starting tomorrow in the next few days. But man, this is a big time in the year because a lot of people are kind of getting back into those fall habits and, and, you know, school and all that comes with school. And and when school starts, and, and you'll have to remember, if you haven't been in school in a while, remember when you were in school and it was the very beginning of the year. It was, it was a pretty, you know, optimistic first two weeks. You had your, your new shoes, you, you had your new backpack, and I mean, especially when you were like a really little kid and you got your, I mean, you were so excited to get new pencils and like a new lunchbox. I mean, everything's pretty new at the beginning of the year. If you're homeschooled, it's like, hey, new start with mom and man, new opportunities, new expectations. You like all your teachers. The, the school lunch actually tastes halfway decent the, the first few weeks of school and everything's good. But then about and some of you are like, yeah, we've been in about two days and we're already at this next point. But, but about a month in, uh, things start to not be as fresh. And th- those shoes kind of start to get dirty. And uh, the, the teachers, uh, they're not as nice and as fun. And, and the school lunches kind of all start to taste the same. And, and if you're a, a homeschool mom, it's in this moment that you start to daydream about sending at least one of your kids to school and some of them are maybe a boarding school because you're like, this is not going as, as planned. But it's in those moments, and we'll all face them, where, where, man, stuff starts out great, and then we start to get off track a little bit, and it's not quite as fun that we do something without even thinking about it. We do something without even thinking about it to help our kids and to help us stay focused and, and kind of keep the right perspective. And what we do, and we do this without thinking about it, is we remind our kids and ourselves about the future. We point to the future. Sometimes we point to the future, like the near future, we say things like this, hey buddy, 
If you don't start turning in your work, man, at, when you get your report card, it's, it's not going to go well. And we point to, man, just a few weeks out, and, and we know that, hey, if we point to the future a little bit, maybe that'll motivate him or her to turn in those, you know, those papers. And, and sometimes we, when we really need like some ammo, we, we point to the maybe farther future, like, hey, if you don't get your stuff together and you don't start working harder, you, you, you're not going to have opportunities after high school. You're not going to be able to go to the college you want. It's going to affect how you do business. And, and we point to, man, farther in the future because here's what we know. We, we know this. We know that a clear picture of the future helps us stay focused on what's important today. A clear picture of the future helps us stay focused on what's important today. It's the reason you got up and went to the gym this week when you didn't feel like going to the gym. It's the reason instead of buying five pairs of shoes, you put a little money in your savings account. It might be the reason that you've made church a priority this week is because you know that in the future you want your life to look a certain way. And so when you look to the future, it gives you a lot of perspective and helps you stay focused today. One of the things I, I encourage people to ask themselves when they're making a, a decision, whether it's big or little, is I, I, and I say this to my kids, especially my son, I say, hey, ask yourself 10 years in the future what decision you wish you would have made right now. Ask yourself, hey, ask Chris, I'm 44, ask Chris at 54 what decision you should make in this moment because a clear picture of the future really gives us perspective and helps us stay focused today. And, and, and we understand this and we understand the power of the future and having a clear picture, but so did Jesus. Jesus understood really, really well and we've been kind of working through the book of Mark how pointing to the future would help his followers stay focused on today. And, and Mark tells us about a conversation that Jesus had literally Wednesday night of the week that he would be crucified. So we're talking Wednesday night about 48 hours before Jesus would be taken, before he would be arrested, and before the whole process of crucifixion would start. He had a conversation with his guys, and he speaks to them about the immediate future, and then he also points to the distant future, and his goal is to help his guys be prepared and stay focused and really persevere as they move forward with some things that they don't even know are coming, but he does. And in Mark chapter 13, you, you, you get a little bird's eye view into this conversation with Jesus. It says this, Mark tells us, and he was going out of the temple. Again, this is probably Wednesday evening. They're, they're done for the day. They're you know, closing up shop, probably going to get some rest. He was going out of the temple, and one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look what massive stones, what impressive buildings. And I think we have a picture of the temple the temple was something that the Jewish people were, man, they're pretty proud of it. And, and you can relate to this. You, where, where you're from, you have something probably where you're from that you're proud of. Like if you live in the Bay Area, you're proud of 
You're, you're, you're proud of the Golden Gate Bridge. You, man, you, you, you love to tell people, man, I live close to the Golden Gate Bridge. If you live in Yuba City, you say, hey, we live close to the Buttes, the smallest mountain range in the world. And you're proud of your, the Buttes. And, and we all have things like that. Well, well, the temple was something that, man, the, the Jewish people were proud of. The, the temple itself was built by a guy named Herod, and Herod built it for the Jews basically to get favor with them, to kind of get them on their, his good side. And this is, this is amazing to think about. The temple area that you're looking at literally took up one-sixth of their city. So think about, some, think about a building or a, a, a monument that took up one-sixth of Yuba City. I mean, we're talking a massive building that, man, was the, the, the high point and the thing they were most proud of. It was something that, that literally was so big, it was 1.5 million square feet. So pretty big. And so they're walking out, you know, it's Wednesday night, they're walking out, and the disciples are like, man... This place is awesome. Man, these stones, which these stones that they were looking at were probably 10 to 12 feet. Some of the stones that the temple was built on were, were like 45 feet. So, I mean, they're looking at massive stones and they're like, this is impressive. Jesus, have you ever like really looked at this? And then Jesus says something that, that's kind of interesting and kind of caught him off guard a little bit. He said this in verse 2, Jesus said to him, do you see this great building? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And what Jesus was doing is he was pointing to the future. See, in, in AD 70, which wasn't that far ahead, the Romans would come in, they would kill a million Jews, they would ransack Jerusalem, they would literally tear this, this temple down, every single stone would be gone, they would tear it apart. And Jesus was pointing to that, and it says this in verse 3, while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell, tell us when this is going to happen, and, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Like, and here's what's interesting. They didn't ask Jesus how it was going to happen because, man, they had seen Jesus do some crazy stuff, some huge miracles. So they, they didn't disagree or didn't believe him. They just wanted to know, so is this, when's this going to happen? And, and what are going to be some of the clues like to tell us that it's about to happen? Can you give us some kind of insight, Jesus, on this thing? And here's what Jesus does. He he answers their question, and what he does, he answers their question by doing two things. He points to the immediate future, and he tells them a little bit about what's going to be coming in the next decade or two, but he also, very interestingly, he weaves into that conversation things about the future thousands of years ahead, things about right before he's going to come back to earth, and, and he hasn't even left earth at this point. And so in, in his answer, and these guys, they're just like, hey, Jesus, look at this cool building. And Jesus is about to like go all future events on them and tribulation and all this stuff. And he's going to tell them about, hey, guys, I, I want you to know about what's coming immediately. But also there's some things coming far into the future that I want you to see and I want you to understand. And so he says this, Jesus says this in verse five, he says, Jesus told them, watch out. Basically, hey man, beware, keep your eyes open, that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, 
I am he, and they will deceive many. So he says, here, here in the future, there's going to come a, a lot of people that are going to come, and they're going to kind of try to be the Savior, and they're going to try to point to themselves, and I want you to be ready because that's going to happen. And then he says this, and he says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place. But it is not yet the end, for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. So Jesus, he says, hey guys, listen up, lean in. There's going to be some guys and gals that are going to come, and they're going to try to pretend that they're the Messiah and they're the Savior. Beware. And then there's going, to be the, there's going to be chaos in the world. There's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be a, a lot of stuff's going to happen. And then he does, like, he's talking to a bunch of guys, and, and he, he starts to talk about labor, like a, a woman in labor. And, like, Jesus, you, do you know your audience here? He says it's the beginning of birth pains, and, and which I'm 100% unqualified to talk about. And, and some of you ladies are like, absolutely, you're absolutely unqualified. Because my, my wife, it, she, actually, she actually had a C-section, so we, we never experienced the, I think it's time, baby, we got to get to the hospital. But, but a lot of you have. And a lot of the, the guys, you've been on the other end, and you've been sitting there, and you're, you're anxious and nervous, and like, okay, is, is it starting? Do we need to go to the hospital? And here's what we know about labor and birth pains, and I know very little. Bottom line is it it usually starts slow. Oh, starting to feel something. Is it time to go to the... Not, not quite. But then it grows in intensity. And it grows like it, the things get closer together. And, and before you know it, it goes from... Hey, I think it's about that time to cuss words and screaming and, and drugs, hopefully. But, but I mean, it gets intense. As you get closer to the baby being born, it gets much more intense. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, things are going to start happening. But as we get closer to the end times, as we get closer to when I'm coming back, Things are going to get more intense and more intense, just like a, a woman in labor until the very end when I come back. And he says, beware, expect this, don't be caught off guard. And then in verse 9, he says this, and, and he's like, he says this like several times, so he's trying to make a point, he's, but you be on your guard. He, he told him before, watch out, and he'll tell him several times, watch out, beware, be ready. He says this, they will hand you over to local courts and you will be flogged. And what basically what flogged is you would be these guys. And he was speaking to them about their future. He's saying, you're going to get beaten for standing for me. And what being flogged meant is you would get 39 lashes. They would do 13 on your chest and 26 on your back. And he says, guys, you're going, to be, you're going to be brought into front of courts because of your relationship with me, because of your stance for me. And, and you're going to be beaten. You're going to be persecuted for this in synagogues. And he says this, you're going to stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness. He, he's saying, man, the task isn't going to be easy. You're going to suffer. 
But in your suffering, you're going to have opportunity to tell people about me. And then he says this in verse 10, and he says, It is necessary that the gospel be preached to all nations. Despite all the opposition, God is going to continue to get his message out to all nations. It's going to happen. And I want you to, I want you to know about this before it happens. He says, he says, so when they arrest you, and again, the boys are like, Jesus, we just wanted to get a selfie in front of the temple. Like, what are we, what are we talking about here? And now Jesus is like a couple sentences later. Well, when you boys are in jail and, you know, you've been beaten and all this stuff, when they arrest you and they hand you over, don't worry beforehand what you will say. But say whatever is given to you at that time, for it isn't you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Basically, what Jesus is telling these guys, he's saying, you know what? God is going to accomplish his plan. You're going to face persecution. You're going to be brought in front of trials. You're going to be beaten. And when you're brought in front of those people, I don't want you to worry about what you're going to say. And and here's what Jesus didn't promise. He didn't promise to remove them from those trials. What he did promise is, I will equip you in those trials. I will equip you during that persecution. I'm not telling you I'm going to remove the persecution, but I'm telling you, I'll give you the words to say in the middle of it. I don't know if you know this, but almost every single one of the disciples, all but one, were killed because of their stance for Jesus. And they were killed in some pretty gruesome ways. And the only one that wasn't killed, he was boiled in oil. He wouldn't die. And so they banished him to an island, and his name's John. So every single one of them, as he's telling them this, and again, he hasn't even died on the cross yet. These boys still think Jesus is about to set up the kingdom, and they're like, they're measuring their offices in the cabinet because they think they're going to be like part of the cabinet. Like this is, they're they're excited about this, and now Jesus is saying, hey, this temple, it's going to be gone. You guys are going to stand before courts. You're going to be persecuted, and they're they're listening because Jesus has said some weird things before to them, and they're listening, but... I'm sure this is, they're not probably totally catching this, but every single one of them would be killed or hurt. And, and I don't know if you know this, but we sit here in a, and we think like, oh, we're so persecuted in America and it's such a rough place. And I, I'm not going to disagree. There's some stuff going on. I get, whatever. But bottom line, this is a cakewalk. This is cake. Did you you know that just this past year, that 4,488 churches were attacked somewhere in the world this year? Over 4,000 Christians were killed for being Christians just this year. All over the known world, there are people that are hiding this morning having church because if they don't, their lives are at stake. And, and Jesus said this. He was talking to his boys about the, about the near future, but he was also pointing to the, the farther future that, man, guys, a- until the birth pains are over, until I come back, it's going to be tough. There's going to be some tough times. 
And he, and he goes on in verse 12 and he says this. He says, brothers will betray brothers to death and a father, his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. He, he's saying, Man, guys, you got to expect that there's going to maybe even be persecution from your family. And, and again, in our world today, there are people that this day will make a decision to follow Jesus. And when they do, they're also making a decision to be kicked out of their family. Today, that will happen somewhere in the world. This is, this is reality. And Jesus is saying, because he, again, he understands that when we see the future, when we have a picture of the future, when we know it's coming, it helps us stay focused. It helps us persevere. Jesus says, you will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. He's basically saying the faithfulness and perseverance that you have through these trials that are coming is a sign of your relationship with me. And so he says, boys, and again, he's talking to his guys, his closest guys. And these guys, they're, they're, they don't know Jesus is about to die on the cross in two days. But Jesus does. And so he's, he's telling them, hey guys, you need to be aware of what's going to come. What, what's going to happen to you. I want you to be aware of this because it's going to help you stay focused. It's going to help you persevere. And, and then what Jesus does over the next few kind of sentences is Jesus, he's been talking mainly about the near future and what's going to happen to his guys over the next decade or two. But then what he does is he starts to talk about what's going to happen farther into the future, right before he returns to earth. And over the next few verses, Jesus points to a time in the future that is referred to as the tribulation. And Bible prophecy teaches us that the tribulation is a seven-year period of time that's split up in half between three and a half-year periods. And there's a, there's a timeline and we're not going to like geek out on future events today, but I wanted to give you, we will someday, because some of you are like, man, I want to know all this stuff. Well, we'll geek out about it at some point, but today's not that day. But, but you can see on the, the diagram there, there's the church age. That's where we're at now. It started with Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead. And so we're in that age where the church was started, and that's, that's taking place right now. And, and what we believe from Bible prophecy is that the next thing kind of on the, the future events timeline is that... The, the rapture of the church, that people that are followers of Jesus will be raptured, and, and then a seven-year period of time will happen called the tribulation. And at the end of that seven years, Jesus will come back with all those that are his followers, and he will actually come back to earth, and that's known as the second coming. And so during the tribulation, as you, you think about, and you, you've heard, you're like, I watched a movie, or I saw like a book, or I read the future, whatever, you know, book, and and uh, you, you've seen some of the, the movies that have come out, and some of them are true, and some of them are just hokey, but, but you've watched some of them. But bottom line, during the tribulation, there's going to be a guy that we're going to be introduced to called the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to be a guy that at first, man, he's going to seem like a great dude, and he's going to probably make a covenant with Israel, and, and he's going to, man, be loved by the world. And then about halfway through the tribulation, he's going to show his true colors and he's going to kind of set himself up as God. The scripture says that he will set up an image of himself and kind of force the world to worship him. 
And he'll be, he's just a tool of, of, of Satan and, and used by Satan. And, and prophecy tells us that, that this point in history is going to be the most awful point in history that, that you can ever, I mean, we think COVID's bad. Like this is super, super JV compared to what's coming. Which again, you're like, what? Especially, man, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're like, what the heck, dude? It's, I know, I get it. It's, just read Revelation. It gets a lot weirder than what I'm even talking about. But, but future, and so Jesus, he's, he's talking to his boys about like, what's going to happen in the next few years. But then in these next few verses, he says, man, but before I come back, it's going to get so bad that if I didn't stop it, everyone would die. And, and he says this. And again, the boys are just like, we just wanted to have a hamburger and look at the temple, dude. What is up? It says this in verse 19. For those will be days of tribulation, the kind that hasn't been from the beginning of creation until now and never will be again. If the Lord had not cut those days short, no one would be saved. But he cut those days short for the sake of the elect whom he chose. And at the end of the tribulation, this is going to be like the enemy is going to know like I am on borrowed time. This thing's about to end. And so he's going to do everything he can to deceive. And Jesus says this, and you must watch. Be on guard. I have told you everything in advance. And Jesus says basically, man, when everything gets out of control, and the world is literally just folding up on its own. It's going to get so crazy. But right when the birth pains are at their worst, I'm coming back. The king is coming back. And he says this. He says, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. He will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Jesus, he understood that a picture of the future would help his guys look ahead and stay focused and it would give them hope. The man in the midst of, of, of the trials they would face, and, and for some of them in the midst of even being killed for their faith, they could look ahead and say, one day the king is coming again, and everything will be made new, everything will be redeemed, all tears will be gone, all pain will be gone, all the things that we hate about the world will be redeemed. And it's that picture of the future that would help his guys and help us 2,000 years later remain focused on what's important, what's most important. And it's, again, at this point that the, the guys probably, I mean, we, we look at this now, and if you've been grown up in church, you've probably heard some of this stuff, or even if you haven't grown up in church, you probably you know, have heard some stuff about this. But for these guys, like, they've never heard this. They, they don't have a clue. And so Jesus is just like, man, they're, they're, it's Wednesday night. They're just hanging out with Jesus. And he's like telling them a bedtime story all about future events and Antichrist. And, and they're like, do y'all have some Pepto-Bismol? Because I'm getting a little, like, this is rough. What is going on? And, and so Jesus is like, let, let me close this thing out and help you guys out. And let me tell you a couple little stories. 
That'll just remind you of the main point. I know I just told you a lot of crazy stuff. Let me just tell you a couple real life things that will just help you understand the main point. And so he says this. He says, learn this lesson, verse 28. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. So, Peter, you, you with me? You listening, buddy? Thomas, I know you struggle with doubt, but can you lean in too? You, you guys know, guys. And he uses a kind of a produce picture. He says, you know, when, when the branch becomes tender and, and sprouts leaves, you look at your tree and you know, okay, it's, it's almost summertime because I can see the tree and I know what the tree does right before summer. So if the tree's doing that, it means summer's really close. In our day and age, we'd say this. If, you're, if, it's, if it's, you've already had Thanksgiving and you weren't sure like when Christmas was, but you knew it was after Thanksgiving and you've already had Thanksgiving, you, you didn't know that it was December 25th, but you knew it was just a few weeks after, you'd be like, okay, well, I know we've had Thanksgiving. And because we've had Thanksgiving and because we just went Black Friday shopping, even though I don't know the date of Christmas, I know that it's close. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I want you guys to be aware that when all this stuff happens, you're going to know it's getting close. What I've talked to you about is getting close. And then verse 32, he says this, Now concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Like no one knows, only God knows, literally, when Jesus is coming back. He says this in verse 33, If I haven't said it to you a hundred times already, watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. It's like a man on a journey who left the house, gave authority to his servants, gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at the crowing of the rooster or early in the morning. Otherwise, when he comes suddenly, he might find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. Guys, I understand that I just confused you a little bit. I just told you about some things you would never, you don't even totally understand. But here's the bottom line. Be ready. Be alert. The king is coming, and you need to be ready when he comes. See, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're watching online or you're here this morning. It doesn't matter where you are as it relates to faith. I mean, we, just like Jesus' disciples, have, have, have a tendency, if we're honest, to get distracted and lose focus. I mean, we, we, we have a tendency to do that. It doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter where you are as it relates to faith. We all, at some point in our life, we have a tendency to maybe lose focus on what's most important. And, and in some cases, that's no big deal. Like if you, this morning when you were brushing your teeth, you got distracted and didn't put the cat back on the toothpaste, you're probably going to be okay if you kind of got distracted. That's not that big of a deal. And, and we get distracted in a lot of areas that aren't really that big of a deal. But then there's also times where, man, when we get distracted in some other areas, it's a lot bigger deal because it comes with a lot 
bigger consequences if we lose focus. And, and Jesus understood this, and that's why he took time to give his followers a picture of the future. Because he didn't want them to get distracted from what's most important. Because he knew just his disciples and he knew us. Now, 2,000 years later, we have a tendency to lose focus. And this is one of those areas he didn't want us to lose focus. And so he, he points out and, and really points out a few things. He, he wants to point out, first of all, that, man, life is going to be challenging. Like, don't let your world be rocked. Because a broken world acts like a broken world. Like, the world's broken. It's not going to get better till the king comes back to fix it. And so he's saying, he's not trying to, to make people discouraged, but he wants them to understand, hey, man, the world's broken. And so life is going to be challenging. But he also tells, he says, hey, you, you don't have to worry because I have overcome the world. I just want you to know there's going to be some challenging times. He also wanted his, his guys, and he wanted us to know 2,000 years later, is this, that the gospel message is not going to be stopped. It's not going to be stopped. For the last 2,000 years, the enemy has tried and tried and tried to stop the message. And it seems like where the hardest persecution is taking place, the message actually spreads fastest. Where the persecution is heaviest. And, and the enemies try to... Josh, just this week, he told me about a trip that he had taken to China a few years ago. And he had taken a, a missions trip with his church that he was at back then. And, and they you know, were doing several things on that missions trip. But one of the kind of assignments they had, an organization tasked them with going to a remote area of China and finding out if any churches were there. Because this organization, from all the data and the studies they had done, thought there was literally no churches in this whole area. And so Josh told me that they, there was one pastor that was kind of in that region, and they tried to get him to meet with them. But because there was so much persecution, he, it took him a while just to get that meeting, because he was a little like, ah, I don't know who you guys are. But finally, he was able to meet, Josh was able to meet with this guy and, and the other guy that was with him. And Josh told me about them being at a restaurant, and there was a translator there, and, and you know, after some food, they started to ask him, so we're you know, here, just want to find out. I, I guess there's nothing going on in this area. And Josh told me that the, the pastor kind of started laughing. And he said, through the translator, actually right around here, there's at least 50 churches just right here, underground, taking place, where, man, the world doesn't even know. The world doesn't even know. There's so much persecution. and it's. But man, let me tell you, the gospel cannot be stopped. The, the government can kind of try to stop it. It doesn't matter. Like China's a pretty rough place to live if you're like a Jesus follower. And he said, it, you just can't stop it. It's taken place. Thousands of people are meeting in churches all over China. And the government doesn't know about it because the gospel will not be stopped. And Jesus wanted his followers to know this. Man, bottom line is, as tough as the game gets, we will win the game. I mean, that, that's what he's basically saying to his boys. Hey, I, I get it. It's going to be tough. And man, the, it's going to be a grind. And you're going to be hurt. And there's going to be persecution. But you need to know you are on the winning team. 
And there's no question about it. It's not like, oh, I hope things go well in the fourth quarter. No, we already win. It's going to happen. The gospel won't be stopped. And he wanted his followers to know that. He wanted his guys right then. And then he wanted us to know it's not stopping. And then the last thing he wanted his guys to know, and I've already mentioned it, is, hey, guys, the king's coming back. Yeah, it's going to get tough, and there's going to be some tough times. And at the end of this whole tough time, you, you need to know that I am coming back. And I'm going to redeem what needs to be redeemed. I'm going to fix things. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to abolish evil. I've, I'm coming back. And, and, and there's an old song that we used to sing in my little Baptist church that I grew up on. And it, uh, it grew up in. And, and one of the phrases was this. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And that's basically Jesus just, hey, guys. You don't even understand this, but in a couple days, your world's about to get rocked because I'm about to go to the cross. But before I go to the cross, here's what you need to know. You need to know these things because a clear picture of the future will help you stay focused on what's important today. And here's what I know about you. Over the next few days... You will, without thinking about it, you will, without thinking about it, probably in several areas of your life, you will remind yourself or your children of the future, and it will help you or your children stay focused in an area. You'll, you'll do it without thinking about it. You might do it today. You might be, hey, if you're good in the car, when you get home, we're going to do that. You know, you, you may do that here in the next hour. It's just something that we do without even thinking about it. And so here, here's what my question is. What would your life look like if you took Jesus' words about the future seriously and lived today with the future in view? What, what would you do, man? We, we remind ourselves of the future in a lot of different areas, and it helps us stay focused. I, I remind myself that, hey, I, I don't want to die early, so I'm going to get up and go to the gym because I want my future to look a certain way. I, I, I'm not going to spend all this money. I'm going to put some money away because I, I want the future to look a certain way. What if we took Jesus' words seriously about the future, and we looked at our life with that in view? If you're here and you'd say, Chris... I'm not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. And for you, I mean, you're thinking these people believe some crazy stuff about the future. And I get it. I agree with you, honestly, on that one. There's some cra and, and again, Mark's a pretty tame. Just read Revelations, and it gets even crazier. And so, yeah, there's some crazy stuff about the future out there. But, but here's a question that I, even if you think it, what we believe is kind of crazy about the future, here's, if you could set that aside for just a second, and would you just consider this, maybe you're, you're not a follower of Jesus, would you just consider this? What if when Jesus talked about the future, he had you in mind? What if when he was talking to his guys, and he knew that Mark and Peter would get together and write this account of this moment what if he had you in mind what if he wanted to make sure you were ready for what was coming see two days from when he said this he was taken by the Romans he was beaten he they put a crown of thorns on his head they spit in his face they ripped out his beard 
They beat him to the point where the scriptures say he did not look like a human being. And then they nailed him to a cross, not for his sin, but for my sin, for your sin. And he did all that because he wanted to have a relationship with you and a relationship with you, a relationship with you online and a relationship with me. And his, his invitation to you is not to, hey, you don't have to get all the stuff about the future. You don't have to get all the stuff about the beginning of the world. And you, you might read through the scriptures and be like, man, there's some crazy stuff in there. I don't, I don't know what I totally believe about all that. That's okay. But do, here's what Jesus would say to you. Man, we'll work through that stuff later. But do you have a relationship with me? I came, died, and rose again so that you could have a relationship with me, so that you would be prepared for the future. And you, you might be there like, hey, how would I start a relationship with Jesus? It's, it's simple. Like right where you're at, you could do this. Watching online, you could do this. You could, just in the quietness of your heart, you admit to God that, God, I don't have all the answers. God, I've disobeyed you. I've sinned. I've done things that you've said not to. I admit that. You just did right in your heart. And then you just in your heart believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he, he did that for you. He had you in mind. And then you just come to him. You just come to him and, Jesus, I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. I'm trusting in you. I want you to be my savior. I want you to make me new on the inside. I want you to give me a future and a hope. You can do that. Maybe you're here and you'd say, or you're watching online and you'd say, man, Chris, I'm, I'm already a follower of Jesus. And I know we have a lot of people like that that are watching and that are here this morning. And man, you, you've already made that decision and you're already a follower of Jesus what if you considered when Jesus was talking about the future, what if he had you in mind? What if he had you in mind? What if he wanted you to know what was coming so you would be ready and so you could help other people be ready? What if that's what he was thinking when he said those things? What if he knew we would get distracted and discouraged and he wanted to tell us to keep our head up because the king... It's coming. Let me ask you this. Have you ever considered this? That one of the reasons that you're still on the earth, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's because he wants you to help other people be ready for when he comes back. Have you ever thought that? You're like, I'm ready. Well, well what about your neighbor? What about the people you go to school with? What about the person in the office? Well, what if he says, hey, I'm, I'm going to put her, I'm going to put him in this spot because they're going to help this person be ready. How would I do that? For some of us, it, it comes down to like, you got to meet your neighbor first. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm, I'll be honest. I've, I've lived in this house for a few, few months, few years. We still don't even know the neighbor's name. Well, it's hard to help them be ready. If you got to learn their name first. Maybe, maybe your step for today is just like meet your neighbor Maybe for you, it's, you know what, it's invite the coworker to church. I mean, I've, I've wanted to, and I've thought about it, and I just get nervous every time I start to do it. And maybe it's just like, hey, pick up a couple invite cards and give one out this week. Invite somebody. Maybe that's the way that you just help somebody else be ready. 
Maybe it's invest your resources in God's kingdom. Your time, your treasure, your talent. I mean, we have, we have, we have probably 30 or 40 people today that are serving in different areas. And you know why they're serving? Because they want to help people be ready. We have people today that will give generously. And you know why they give? Because they're giving because they want to help people be ready. And maybe for you, it's, it's just time to evaluate, like, am I investing my life? Am I investing my resources in what will matter in the future? See, a clear picture of the future helps us stay focused on what is important today. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, gave his guys and us a picture of the future. And honestly, he was two days before he was going to die. He, he could have, why, why waste your time talking about that, Jesus? There's probably other things you want to say before you die. But he took time so that you and I would know what was coming. So that we would be ready. And so we could help others be ready. Because the king is coming. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for... Just the gracious way that you told us about the future. And Lord, I'm thankful for those guys that you were talking to and how we already kind of know the end of the story for them and how those guys, even as confused as they were that night when you probably told them this, they took what you told them and they persevered and they were faithful. And because of them, many, many, many more people have been prepared for your coming. Lord, I pray if we're here watching online or we're here this morning and we don't have a relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day that we would, just in the quietness of this room, that we would cry out to you, that we would admit to you that we've sinned, that we would believe that you died and rose from the grave for us, and that we would just call on you and ask you to save us, and that we would start that relationship. And Lord, if we, we know, and I know we have many, many friends here that, that already have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would burden us with this idea that you are coming again and we are your tools to share the same truth that somebody lovingly shared with us so that we would be ready. I pray that we would help those around us get ready because the King is coming. In Jesus' name, amen.